Welcome to Digital Momentum, the Retail Growth Podcast. I'm Mike Ryan, Head of Retail Insights at Smarter E-Commerce. This show offers conversational interviews with leaders in digital marketing, digital transformation, and e-commerce growth. My goal is to increase digital maturity industry-wide and drive growth that makes sense for businesses. Today, I'm joined by a very special first guest, my former boss, Steve Scheinkopf, CEO at Yale Appliance and Lighting in Boston, Massachusetts. Yale is an offline retailer, and what makes them special is the quality and extent to which they've used online content marketing to build their brand. Steve has led this effort firsthand with an obsession on building trust and word-of-mouth network effects in an upmarket niche. So, let's get into it. Thank you very much for, for joining me this afternoon, Steve, or morning by you, I should say. Morning here. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's at least sunny by you. It's cloudy here. Yeah, so I'll just do quick quick introductions here. Um, my name is Mike. I'm head of retail insights at Smarter E-Commerce. So we are in the, the digital advertising industry. Um, we provide a range of software solutions and services as well across Europe, also in North America. And that's where you're joining us from, Steve. Steve is a CEO at Yale Appliance. And Steve, there's a couple interesting things here because Steve has been a CEO for 35 years, which is as long as I've been on this mortal earth. <laughs> and Steve is also my former boss. <laughs> I haven't actually been CEO for 35 years. I mean, my dad and I never really had an actual handoff. Okay. I think it was more like... You know, after the second recession in 2001, he just uh, all right. 20 years, so most of your adult life. There, there we, there we go. Then I'm gonna, I'm gonna point to your, to your LinkedIn uh, resume on that one and say false advertising. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I could update my LinkedIn. But Steve, um, so at, at any rate, at 35 years in the industry and mm-hmm. a couple decades in in, um, in management. Sure. Can you? Can you run me through your career? Kind of give me a walkthrough and maybe some highs and lows along the way? Sure. I, I basically was born uh, in 1964. And at seven years old, I got a tap on the shoulder and put a rag in my hand. I was cleaning light fixtures, sweeping floors, putting away inventory. You know, I worked here since, uh, you know, high school in some really, you know, kind of humble ways. Yeah. Inventory and light bulbs is not really a wonderful job um, you know we had a basement back then you know in the summertime it was beautiful outside but I, I would never know um, this was on Canal Street that's where the, the company's second location was we we moved from um, from uh, you know where government center was I don't know you remember boss government center mm-hmm. they got we got kicked out because they would build government center we went on Canal Street and I worked here through high school I've only had three jobs I, I delivered I delivered drugs, legal drugs, for uh, Needham Apothecary okay. uh, when I was in high school. Worked for Red Auerbach in the summers, which was really interesting for a couple of years. He was a good man. And here at Yale, um, and I used to work summers, vacations, and everything else. And some of that was uh, pretty humble beginnings, but it, it, it's good because I, I don't think my dad was uh, knew it at the time, but he, he built a pretty good blogger at one time, you know, by doing all those assignments, working way up to sales. And then, you know, when I, when I came here full time, you know, my, in 1986, you, we all have uh, delusions of grandeur, build it, you know, more and more and more, but you need the architecture of growth, uh, whether we're talking digital or, you know, brick and mortar, um, some kind of hybrid is uh, omni-channel, which is now really popular. Yeah. You need to know, you, you need to have the architecture of, of growth. And so I became the first customer service person. And we talk about Lowe's. You know, we've had a lot of recessions. 1991 destroyed the local banking. Mm-hmm. That was tough. That was probably the single toughest recession we had in New England. Of course, we had uh, the recession in 2001 with the e-commerce bubble. 2007 with the, with the Great Recession. I, and of course, the pandemic, which was probably the scariest, the most unknown. In terms of Yale, in my experience here, it, it was tough because really the toughest part of really anything, whether you're talking about moving to Austria as you did, <laughs> is 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 being part of is building a team and being part of the team. And you know a lot of your associates, Leo Gonzalez, the very independent director of ops that we have, who's you know, really really a, a 
on point when it comes to operations where I'm probably the weakest. You know, you get Dennis, you know, the, the crazy sales guy, crazy in a good way. Yeah. And you've got a lot of good supervisors and managers. You are one of them. And, and, and together we, 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 we built something that, that um, has survived the recessions. But to be honest, uh, I may have seen the value of, uh, of digital marketing, but if you don't have the reputation behind it, it almost kind of blow up, really, to be quite mm-hmm. honest. So a lot of it plays in there. And, you know, you talk about highs and lows. Uh, I would say that certainly the lows were in 2009 when we were almost bankrupt. And then from that, we arose with a new attitude. Digital is definitely a, a big part of that. Not just digital marketing, but digital listening to what your customers are actually saying mm-hmm. and trying to... Um, formulate things to um, to better serve your, your customers, uh, whether good or bad. And, you know, everything was rolled on nicely. We, we, we built, you know, Framingham in 2015, and we built our uh, biggest store in Hanover January 4th of last year. We opened it. <laughs> Perfect timing, Steve. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, we, we said, uh, I'll just finish, we said in our meeting in 2020, we were going to save money, and, and try to test the hybrid model. Yeah. And, and six weeks later, everybody was working from home pretty much. So. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a meme going around that COVID was like uh, the top t- chief digital officer in every company was COVID. Yeah. That's funny. I mean, there's a lot of themes you touched on here that I think we'll be able to flesh out in more detail. But just by the way, we opened our new UK office and, um, and an expansion office in Vienna both immediately before the, before the <laughs> lockdown. We were like getting ready to um, send some people over to London for a big kind of office warming party. And nope, still hasn't happened yet, sadly. <laughs> man, man plans, God laughs, right? Exactly. But yeah, th- thanks for, for that walkthrough there. I mean, I, th- I think that's really great starting from the sort of Mm, yeah, the ground floor of, of an organization and working your way up because you get that handshake credibility as you go up um, and you can always have that, that connection or that connectivity to, to those levels that you're building on. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, after having heard that intro, now let's hear you describe yourself in three words. That's my challenge to you. I would say uh, empathetic because you have to be. Yeah. You, you, you have to be. True empathy you know, if you're if you're if you're going over twenty people, you need you need you definitely need empathy. I would say that um, probably my best trait. I wouldn't say intelligence. I would say persistence. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm beginning to believe that the most talented person in the world is going to lose to the person that's going to work the hardest. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you read "Talent Is Overrated" or you listen to the stories of the people that are really successful, it, it's always it's always hard work that, 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 that really molds their success. So I would say persistence is the fact that maybe, maybe uh, ignorance would be a good third adjective, you know, working harder and being ignorant to the fact that it may not be working the way it should be. Mm-hmm. I think those two work, work hand in hand together, just <laughs> it, fleshing out, just saying, hey, listen, it'll work sometime. Just let's give it some more time, you know. Yeah, no, ignorance or naivety can be very powerful. Um, then you come in with the kind of a, you can be like a stranger in a strange land, that kind of a thing too. Beginner's mind. Yeah, it, it's very malleable. There's unlimited potential there. So, Boy, if I'm describing myself as ignorant, Jesus. Was that, was that the official number three? Cause that's three. That's, all right. That's going to be three. That's number three. <laughs> All right, it's committed now. It's in digital momentum. So this is, you know, etched in stone. Yeah, so thanks for, for sharing that. As a segue back to some stuff you mentioned, like I heard you drop a, I think a really key word for the business already, which is blogging. And um, yeah. when you, you mentioned that, you know, maybe like Leo is really strong on the operation side in your company. And yeah. of course, that's super important for any executive is knowing like, or where is it actually most incremental for me to focus my time and attention? Yes. I think I think there's always like, I mean, I'm sure there's some these unicorn CEOs who are good at everything, but I mean you're you're more um, like sometimes there's like the more operational CEO and maybe you're like more the marketing CEO, if I can from from my perspective, I can assess you that way. What do you think? 
Well, I, I think that you have to know, mm-hmm. you know, you have to know and respect the other parts. But I, I think people, yeah. you know, you look at in, in Massachusetts, the Boston Business Journal, uh, more CEOs come from MIT in public Massachusetts companies than anybody else. Mm-hmm. They're engineering CEOs. Yeah. And it's important to be numbers driven in anything you do, whether it's how do you know your marketing works? Mm-hmm. You got to have numbers and dashboards and everything else. And Leo's very good with that. We we employ a lot of dashboards, as I'm sure you do, in marketing. And 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 Dennis has sales, but you gotta have yeah, I always say the the 20 of us make a good CEO, you know, yeah. the 20 of us run the company. Because everybody's gonna add something to the ma- uh, to the uh, to the mix. But I would say if you were to say I'm more of a sales and marketing CEO, you'd be accurate. That's why a lot of the the, the stronger players like a Leo are in operations, mm-hmm. you know, in HR and everything else. I did HR. I did all these jobs. I just wasn't as good at it as they are, to be quite honest with you. I, I kind of, I just kind of went the marketing route because no one else wanted to do it, to be honest. Yeah, interesting. My next question is, um, I kind of think I know the answer to this, or, but what was your, your paid media budget last year, Steve, and why? Well, just paid media, somewhere around uh, a quarter million dollars mm-hmm. or less if you throw everything into it. And the reason why we spend some money is because we get it as co-op. So really, whatever I spend, I get a double. Yeah. And, um, and I think AdWords is kind of fun. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because you can... Yeah, I've been doing AdWords uh, for, for 15 years. And the way it's done now with the AI and if you can copyright and, and, and make a good ad and get a good landing page, you can get a pretty good ROI. Yep. The, the key is, is not being everywhere. Like these national companies just with vanilla type advertising are never going to win. Yep. But there's a lot to it. But again, you know, if I'm spending a quarter, I'm getting that back. So, mm-hmm. so it, seems, it seems silly to, uh, to leave that kind of money on the table. Mm-hmm. And but what's what would you say are your like in your war chest your your advertising war chest or your your marketing war chest? What are your your weapons of choice? Well, seriously, our, our weapons of choice are, are, are simple. It's blogging, mm-hmm. video, which has become uh, really important. We hired a second videographer about five months ago, yeah. and strategic email mm-hmm. with buyers guides. So here's how it works: is I don't advertise the blog. It's like you find it, say you're building a house and wherever, and you're looking for an induction cooktop. So we have an article, best induction cooktops, with reliability statistics and how you pick one and everything else. At the end, there's an induction buyer's guide. That induction buyer's guide, you're going to learn everything. It's like 50 pages of induction, anything. So really, as a marketer, I have the two pieces I only need about somebody. What your first name is, because you got to put your name and email address your name mm-hmm. and your email address and the fact that you want an induction cooktop. I mean, you're not going to download an induction buyer's guide unless you want an induction cooktop. I'm sure some people do, but the vast majority of people you would think. Yeah, yeah. So there, I can send you resources on how to buy an induction cooktop through drip email campaigns. Mm-hmm. I never say, hey, buy this, it's on sale. I say, consider this. You know, so we'll, we'll, we'll send like five drip emails to somebody over a, a, a 30, 40 day period, uh, depending on the campaign, you know, washers and dryers is more of immediate need, So we'll send it over a two week period mm-hmm. and in the conversion and, and just the open and conversion rate is, is crazy because I'm actually sending something that you want. Yeah. Now video has become really popular because people are spending a lot more time on YouTube and it's, it's really fast growing. We actually have a, in your old, um, in Stoughton, we used to work. We now, we built a video room. Okay. So once a week I go and produce, you know, I, we script them. We have two people, two videographers that help me script. And we do, we try to do three or four videos a week. Wow. And the amount of views that we got, uh, we just really started last year or maybe two years ago. But really seriously, six months ago, we had 4.3 million views in a very short period of time. We have like 7,500 subscribers from like 2,000, like three or four months ago. 
So really, the, the goal of the exercise is, 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 is not to be front and center, it's to help somebody make a purchase. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that and help people with problems and be honest about problems that you're going to have when you buy it, it is pretty powerful. Yeah. It's about trust, right? It, you know, trust is the currency of the internet. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, who do you trust? I mean, the subsidiary you buy from me or the induction cooktop that you're going to buy from me, isn't going to be any different than you want to you get it at Best Buy, Home Depot, Lowe's. It's going to say Sears, but, you know, who the heck knows who they are. Uh, but, but really, our, our goal is to make the tangible intangible by saying, you know, buy here because we're going to be able to deliver it better, install it better, service it better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and that's it. That's really the whole enchilada. Yeah, so although you're, you're, um, you're dealing in commodity products, you're able to kind of get some, some different effects. Um, I also think, I mean, you, you're more upmarket than a Best Buy typically or a Home Depot. Is that right? Yeah, you know, a friend of mine calls, called us a rich man's Home Depot. And, uh, and, but, you know, the, the funny thing is, yes, because box stores can't typically, aren't geared to sell premium. But that, you know, we still sell a lot of commodity stuff. We still sell a lot more they do on a per store basis, way more. Um, but we have that extra element because we're an appliance store, whereas they're a home improvement center. Yeah. Um, and I'm not here to bash box stores. I, I shop at them, but it's a different experience. You know, we, we want people to be more informed. We want a better delivery experience, a better service experience, a better install experience. You know, Leo put a, we have like an app now where you could trace your delivery back to the house on a half an hour ceiling, waiting a half hour, not half a day, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And the fact that we'll fix it because that's the majority of what we do. Yeah, definitely. Now about, about your, uh, and I, by the way, speaking as someone who I've been an employee of a big box store and I, and I've worked with you, um, there's a world of differences in the, on the employer experience too. And I think experience is something that that you really value and you're strong at. Yeah. But, but before, I would just want to dig into the blog for a sec. So sure. is it fair to say you're something of a blogger, Steve? How, how many blog posts do you think you've written? Or if you know. Jesus. Figure four a week, every week since about 2008. Wow. And again, you know, it's funny. You know, people are going to be like, you know, the, the people that haven't started and be like, well, I shouldn't start. Or my writing's bad or any number of the things. And, and it's like I told my daughter yesterday when she was starting to write her name. I'm like, and she's getting frustrated. I go, every, every expert starts to be as a beginner. Mm-hmm. If I look at my writing now versus 2008, it's completely different. Yeah. So I would say effectively since probably about 2011, 2012, but still, I think when you look at what we do now versus what we did 10 years ago, it's night and day. And it just evolves. And if you just start with that whole... I want to help whoever my target audience is make a decision. Yeah. I think eventually you'll, you'll, you'll get gold eventually. Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of trickles down from you. Like it's not just you or just the marketing um, department that are, that's blogging. Right. I mean, you've got a lot of people in the company blogging. Yeah. So I think that that's because, you know, if uh, people say, Oh, it's not worth my time to blog or, um, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's super powerful if the CEO is saying, I can uh, take the time to blog and I can make this a priority, and then there's no excuse. It's kind of a no-excuse culture at that point. Yeah, you, you got to remember, you're listening to a guy who says his top two, um, his top two characteristics is ignorance and persistence. You know? if, if, if someone listening, is top three is intelligence. Think about how much farther you can go. And, and again, you know, I, I think... It's like we talked about beforehand. I think the older you get, the more ingrained you have into your routine. And if you can make blogging part of your routine, I think you can be successful. And I think if you haven't started, I think video is a great place to start. Yeah. But I think the, the problem that a lot of people have with video is they become too promotional. And that's not our job to be promotional. Our job is to be objective. Mm-hmm. So if you're touting a Maytag washer, you may want to talk about other alternatives and where it where it's weak mm-hmm. versus as well as strong. So you're really talking to people. Yeah. So you're getting that credibility and yeah. actually solving for a problem and not just um, yeah shilling a product or however. Oh yeah. Yeah. So what what is that meant for the company? That kind of like 
that incredible amount of traffic that you get from from blogging, from videos. Um, what does that mean for you? And I'm curious how it translates to into how you connect this online activity then into how you convert that into um, offline sales and how you connect the dots. Can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. We don't give it enough credit, um, quite honestly. The only way I, I could track store visits through AdWords. When someone downloads a buyer's guide, we estimate. That means like just say you download a buyer's guide and you come in and make a purchase. We can track that. But if you download a buyer's guide and, and a girlfriend makes a purchase, we can't track that. Mm. So we track about 18 to 22 million dollars off buyer's guides on like a 12 to 15 month basis. Typically it runs about a million and a half to a couple million dollars. That's amazing. Just intractable. But everybody, you know, if we talk about the psychology of how people make a purchase versus the way maybe our parents did, mm. our parents read newspapers. What we do, I really have yet to find somebody who doesn't go online to make a purchase, to figure out what it is they're going to buy from. Who are they going to buy from? You know, the path to purchase is I have a need, okay? Then they're going to figure out what product they think they need, mm -hmm. whether it's from, that's where the blogs and the video come in. And then they're going to figure out what store they should buy it from based on the reputation of what Google says. Like, you know, 4.9 stars beats 4.0 stars. 4.9 versus 4.5. People do read reviews. I do. When you finally go to Budapest, you're going to do best Budapest hotels or best Budapest, you know, best place to eat goulash or yeah. best, you know, that's just the way we're programmed. T totally. Or jump on TripAdvisor or however. Mm -hmm. Whatever. It's TripAdvisor, whether it's Yelp, yeah. whether it's um, Google. And, you know, you have to interact with, with those people that re leave reviews. And that's another part of, of the digital momentum. Uh, mm -hmm. Great company name, by the way, is is figure out what people like and don't like about you. Yeah. You know, when I first got on Yelp, it was 2004. Actually, I think it was before that, 2003. And people, there was a disconnect before between what we thought we were doing and what we were doing. Mm. And it's my job and Leo's job is to fix the disconnect between what we claim we do and what we actually do when we go out in the field. Mm. And unfortunately, everybody, including myself, has a like, kind of despises Yelp in certain points, especially, you know, you know, my baby's ugly. But if you really listen to those people and make changes in your organization so it doesn't happen again, I, I, I really think it's invaluable. Mm -hmm. Invaluable. Yeah, and especially like also for social listening, as you mentioned earlier. And I mean, before we, before we um, started recording, we were talking about how things can tend to get like corrupted over time if yeah. or however overdone excessively commercialized whatever the case might be like mm -hmm. email can get too spammy and and i think this i think people have have detected that that trust is this powerful currency yeah. and it's been um in some cases sort of weaponized or like um gamed let's say and there's 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 a lot like you now are in this kind of meta position of how, can I trust the trust information that's being presented to me? Which I kind of, I would point a little bit maybe toward Amazon for for um, pushing things in that direction. Yep. It's a bigger picture than that. But what do you think about that? Do you think that that it's getting harder for consumers to, to really verify trust? Has it gotten harder to verify trust? That's a good question. I think that with the preponderance, maybe, maybe years ago, but I think with the preponderance of of reviews and everything else. Mm -hmm. If you see 10 reviews, very easy to corrupt. You see 4,000 reviews. Yeah. Well, chances are it's, it's, it's much harder to corrupt and that's the way it's going. I mean, I think, I think Google's kind of stolen the show from that. And, and I think it's really interesting and very pertinent that you mentioned Amazon in this conversation. You know, Amazon's logo is a smile, right? Mm -hmm. what, are pe what are your expectations buying from Amazon? It's going to be delivered right away that it's going to be the right product and that you can return it right away, right? Mm. That's the whole expectation is customer satisfaction. That's why they're not in the appliance business because it's a dirty, not in the appliance business yet because it's a dirty business. Yeah, it, it's tough to build that out. That's what the expectation is. Mm. Now, 
we mentioned how much co-op I, how much advertising spend, which is negligible when you talk about the total sales of the company. Where you need to spend your actual money is on those processes that make customers happy. Yeah. And from my standpoint, it's it's the delivery install service. Mm-hmm. That's where we put our money. I mean, we lose probably a million, million and a half years servicing appliances. We don't get paid, as you probably know, we don't get paid what it is, what it costs us to actually send a guy out, you know, for, for brands, which is remarkable. They would diminish the very thing that makes brand. But it's the best marketing to say, okay, mm-hmm. you're going to buy that induction cooktop? Yeah. We can fix it. They can't. Yeah. And that's a really good tipping point. A differentiator there. And that's where I would spend, you know, the 3% of marketing, and you're talking about what, $5.5 million on our level, let's say, for industry. I want to sink that into the delivery with better delivery guys, not paying a minimum wage. Um, I want to sink that into installation because as the population ages, they don't want to install the wall and dishwasher, take refrigerator, panels, all that stuff. And on the product service side, that's where we're willing. That's what I call marketing, mm-hmm. uh, to be quite honest. Execution is better marketing. And Amazon really, you know, Amazon is a great teacher or a horrible master, depending on where you are, right? Yeah, I mean, as a, it's <laughs> just speaking as a consumer here, when, when I use Amazon, yeah, I definitely have these expectations and I associate them with. I associate them with convenience. Um, there's a level of trust there, but it's weird because I don't have, I wouldn't say that I have like a strong brand affinity for Amazon. It feels very transactional for, for me. It's it's just like, it almost sometimes feels a bit like doing a deal with the devil. And uh, because, you know, I I have kind of a picture of some of their business practices and stuff like that. And on the one hand, they're very strong on the customer experience, but I, I also think that there are other paths there. And I mean, Yale is pretty, from what I remember, pretty obsessed with customer experience, pretty obsessed with MPS. How, how have you implemented this through, through the organization? What kind of, can you tell me a bit about your MPS program or, or how you view customer experience? Sure, sure. Um, I think customer experience is, I think first of all, and certainly we're not perfect, and I'm not here to give you that, that impression. And I don't think perfection ever exists when you're dealing with delivering heavy boxes in somebody's home. Mm-hmm. But that does, that's not an excuse. That's what, what you want to stri- uh, strive for. Um, but NPS is a net promoter score. It's, it's the only indication of what future business actually is going to be, according to the Harvard guys. And there are a lot, you know, again, persistence, ignorance. I, you know, I got to give it up for the intellectuals, right? But, you know, years ago, we were talking about NPS and, and um, I bon- we bonus per quarter in NPS. So currently our level is, is uh, uh, we bonus a quarter, quarter of a million dollars every quarter. And the lion's share of that goes to customer service, delivery ops. Salespeople get a token amount because they're on commission. Techs are now on commission as well, so they get a little better than the token amount, but it goes to the customer-facing people mostly. Mm-hmm. So we set the guidelines every quarter. And I don't, I don't make it so it, um, so they can't hit it. I make it so they go the extra mile to hit it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, I can talk about NPS, NPS, NPS all I want. But if, if people don't believe in it, we have some pretty interesting programs to really help our NPS score. But if everybody doesn't believe it, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to be imbued with it that everybody from someone who sweeps the floors and cleans the bathrooms because yeah. clean bathrooms are important to someone who's delivering becomes part of that program. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of what we try to inculcate. If, if it's just me and Leo and Dennis and the 20 managers, as you know, it, it's not going to work unless the line people really believe and they get compensation. And the reason why I made it quarterly is that once a quarter, they hit it, you know, it's kind of like Pavlovian. Yeah. If I made it yearly, I mean, how are we supposed to remember what we did in January and December, you know? Yeah, but you get this little dopamine hit. So we, we split it in quarters. And again, you're going to have a bad quarter. Yeah. You just are, you know? It's just one of those things. So. Well, yeah, I mean, I can, I can remember. So when I was working with you, Steve, I was in purchasing and 
I, I wasn't directly customer facing, but I had a key role ultimately in what what the experience of these customers would be like, mm-hmm. what their satisfaction level would be, and also um, an obligation to the profitability of the company. Pro- a lot of profit, yeah, you could argue profit starts with uh, how much yeah. you paid for the product in the first place. So, uh, yeah, I definitely felt I, I, I got my role in the ecosystem in terms of customer experience and. Um, I think it works. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. We have profit sharing. Profit sharing is on top of that as well at, at the end of the year because I, I think people, uh, if we do very well, I think people should do well. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know how a lot of these companies, this is a segue, I don't know how a lot of these companies do it. How are you supposed to like say, you can do it, we can help and pay somebody 10 bucks an hour. I mean, there's a fight going on in the United States, 15 bucks an hour. <laughs> I mean, how are you supposed to live in the city of Boston, yeah. 15 bucks an hour? Without medical, right? It's, it's just, yeah. it's crazy. So give people medical, a fair wage, or better than fair wage, and, and the ability to make more money if you're doing better um, and if you're performing better than the customer. I think that's a good four-pronged strategy to keep people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely agree. I mean, getting back to the to the topic of, of, of growth, um, like how how do you define growth? Because I think there are different ways. You could talk about um, financials. You could talk about market share. You could talk about X, Y, or Z. But I mean, what does growth mean for you? And or and what? How would you differentiate between like okay, this is healthy growth, and this is maybe not that healthy growth? Well, I've been through both. I think unhealthy growth is 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 moving too many times. Our goal is to uh, deliver once properly, not three times haphazardly. Because um, every time, every time you do something wrong and have to repeat it, especially in our business, your profit goes down the tubes. I, I think yeah. um, healthy growth is it's got to be measured by bottom line growth, mm-hmm. and and I think that's that's true of anything. Whether it's whether you talk about, I, I've never been one for market share. I think that if you're growing positively as we have over the years, I think you're going to get market share. And mm-hmm. what kind of market share are we talking about? I mean, we talk about the market share of total appliances. We don't sell anything really under, you know, a certain level because we still have to move a box and moving a less profitable box through the same kind of, you know, NPS score ridden, more expensive people is, is not, it's not a good idea for us. Um, So really what we're talking about is just positive bottom line growth as measured by the bottom line. And that, that, that comes from becoming more efficient at what you do. Mm -hmm. I mean, whether it's marketing, mm-hmm. operations, sales, you know, training. I mean, it's not, you know, it's, it's not just one thing. It's a lot of different things. When you talk about our growth from, you know, the nadir of our existence in 2009 to now, it's, 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 it's been huge. Mm-hmm. But it, isn't, it hasn't been one thing. Marketing can't take credit. Marketing has a piece of it. Ops has a piece of it. Uh, as defined by purchasing, delivery, warehouse, and everything else, sales definitely has a part of it. But it's just not one thing. But the way you got to measure it is is bottom line. What's the point in selling a lot more stuff if you're not mm. measuring the bottom line? If you're losing on the bottom line, what's the point of doing it in the first place? Yeah, yeah, totally. And and I think this is why you've um, sometimes been critical of of more like paid acquisition strategies. You see it as just take eating into the bottom line or or, or what's your take there? Listen, I, I think, um, you, you know, first of all, I've done, um, when you talk about, you're talking about PPC or... or, or for, for example, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love, I happen to love PPC. But my take is, if you're going to invest in, in blogging, social media, I'm not a national company. Mm. So those half a million dollars of the PPC of what we actually spend, it means a lot. I mean, you're talking about... I segmented by income, gender, mm-hmm. um, ten miles within each store, or fifteen or twenty. If we're, you know, if they say we want to be on the Cape, I'll go to the Cape. But you can spend, you can, you can target a lot of people that way. Yeah. Especially if you're a regional player, I don't care what happens outside my market. Yeah. You know, I go as far as Worcester up to the Cape and everything else. So that's that's a good, that's a fair amount of spend. But I think if you're doing the the basics, uh, blogging, video, email, but you're not saying, hey, Mike. Today we have a sale. Hey, Mike, today is the spring. Today is summer. Today is fall. Guess what? We got Founders Day sale. We're 100 years old, mm. as it will be in two years. We're going to have a – nobody cares. 
I, I think if you use it strategically, I think those tools, I like those tools because you're going to grow better. You're going to be more of a service to your final customer. And it's not a rental. It's a permanent strategy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But harder work. So that's why, paid, <laughs> that's, why paid, that's why I paid so much easier, where I can just supersede everything by saying appliance store. <laughs> yeah. I just want to, you know, we talked about highs and lows, and let's uh, maybe the elephant in the room, we didn't really actually address it so, so directly yet, but what changed for you guys in, in 2000? How is the company different in, excuse me, in 2020? How is the company different in, in 21 than it was in 19? Um, in turn, you know, what did you need to, to dig- digitize? How would you have, how digital would you say you were? And in terms of not just, you know, your marketing, but your operations, what had to happen? Are we talking about which, which crisis are we talking about? Talking COVID? Talking COVID here, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. 2020, we had a, a great meeting. Nothing possibly could go wrong. And, um, and it was really interesting because one of the things I said is, look, we, and, you know, I talked to the person in charge of recruiting and she said, look, we can, we'd have a lot better base if we, we uh, if people could work from home. Mm. And we have a lot of people that says, well, we want them here. And I think, I think a hybrid is, is, is really the best approach because I think people need to work with people every once in a while. Yeah. That said, COVID comes around in March 13th. We're close. I mean, you know, schools are shut down. Everything's closed. Now, the saving grace for us, one of them, and I don't want to make light of this, is we had it a lot better than, say, a hotel. Okay. Although I think the hotels could have done a better job just saying, COVID's terrible, have a night out. But we were an essential business, especially the service component. But that said, we were in a, a bad position because of the money we spent for our Hanover store, yeah. which just had been open in January 4th. So I get the call, like, end of March that we have from our CFO, we have 62 more days before we're insolvent. So, Oof, that's a fun call. Yeah, that's a that's a great call to have. But it's like you just you just flip the sand uh, the um, uh, sand clock and it's it's going. Sand is running. Yeah, and and I don't know, but I never got the pandemic handbook, field handbook. Yeah. So we had a really you know after hearing that we had a really good call where everybody you know we talked about the 20 marriages we had everybody on the call. And the thing is, okay, we can't do what we're normally doing now. So what can we do, yeah. right? Because we're not just going to like go away. So what can we do? Well, the first thing is we had the PPP. And one thing we did wrong was layoffs. I, I thought we, we cut too deep there. Okay. And we never really had a layoff. And, and it was very, it was, it, it sucked. Now, good news is we had 210 people last year. By the end of that, by, by, by the end of it all, most everybody been we had, we're at 205 now, so not too many people, you know. But but that that's as a as a family company, it hurts for sure. And and I thought we we cut too deep, but again, everything's a learning process. You know, every expert starts as a beginner, and we were a beginner. In that. You know, we never had one before. But in terms of what we did, is say okay. Let's forget about the day as we know it. We come in at 10, we leave at, we leave at 6. Mm-hmm. What if we had man the phones from 8 a.m.? Because there aren't as many people coming in. We went from 3,000 showroom visits in February to 274 in April. Ouch. Ouch, right? Well, what if, right? What if we answer the phones? We work in shifts because if people are coming in the store, first thing we did is we're going to make sure people that do come in store feel safe. Remember, this was last year. Nobody felt safe. Yeah. We upped our cleaning. We, had, we always had full-time cleaning. We're crazy about that stuff anyway. We added a, another shift. I came on Sundays to clean Dorchester. But um, what if we answered the phone from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m.? Mm-hmm. What if we did clip to chat and added everybody? If people weren't coming in the store, everybody could do clip to chat. Yeah. Click to chat is very safe. What if we did... We were, one of the best things we ever did was like, you, you know, the, not the conference that you went to. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> jokes, Steve. <laughs> no, I mean, that would be a far more interesting story for this podcast. Your, 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 your story. But how I ended up in Austria. How did you end up in Austria? It's a much better podcast story. But um, 
we go to um, NRF, and one of the themes for you three years ago was, okay, how do you compete against online people? And one of the best things is I got out of it was show them this, like show them appointments. Mm. Like this is brilliant. I mean, you can come in, click on like you were a barbershop. I mean, why didn't we do this before? Yeah. So we really emphasize showroom visits, which as a paid guy, you know that you can um, do Rojas for showroom visits now or target CPA based on showroom visits, right? Let's do showroom visits. Let's do video chat. Let's do click to chat. Let's do video appointments. Mm-hmm. Let's answer the phone and make 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. If people don't want to come in, we're going to give them a 13 page, you know, Leo inspired, you know, we've done everything to kill this germ. This germ <laughs> lives here. Uh, who knows, right? You know, masks and, you know, touchless and six foot apart and arrows on the showroom. And you're not going to be here when someone else is going to be here in the same spot. Mm-hmm. Let's make people feel safe. And we really did a, a, a from that meeting. And oh, by the way, here's a laptop. Remember we said we were going to do hybrid? We're doing hybrid now. You work in customer service now. You work at... <laughs> Our hybrid is five days at your home. Yeah, there you go. That's hybrid already. Really the focus is making people comfortable with the whole process. And, mm. you know, by by late April, things started to change. Yeah. Thank God. You know, by May, we'd start bringing people back. And by June, we were full strength. And that's that's what we did. We just we, we, we reformulated the model. And for people that survived COVID, I would never say it's a good thing. But it seems like extreme anything, you get some good tactics out of it. The tactic that works for us the best is now uh, video. Yeah. You know, we used to send people out to measure. Like, if you weren't sure if a wash and dryer is going to fit, we're going to send someone home and measure. Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't want to do that during COVID. I never, I didn't really want to do that anyway. I think it's inefficient. And me and Leo used to fight about that. So now... You take a, you do a, we do a video chat with you. We help you measure it in your, in your house. We do virtual consultations, virtual, far more efficient where we don't have to go in a car and go to like 12 homes. Mm. We can do a video chat and do like 30 homes with one guy rather than sending people out in cars to do it. That's amazing. Video chatting in store. Now you can do a a visit of the store without leaving your home. That's become a lot more popular Mm -hmm. uh, as well. So all this stuff is good. I just wish, like everybody else, we didn't have to go through COVID to make that realization. To, to figure it out, yeah. But now it's omni-channel. Mm. You, know, it's, you want to buy online and you know our sales exploded online, great. Yeah. You want a video, you want to click, you want, how do you want to deal with us? And that's the way we'll tailor ourselves to you. Mm-hmm. Increased our blogging to, from three to five times a week. And, you know, our online audience grew exponentially. Wow. So whoever was out there, we figured in our marketing, we were going to do mm-hmm. so. that, that. I think that's the most important thing. That, and it's exactly what people need in a time like that is, is that you're there for them. And no one's an expert in this. I think we were all trying to form our kind of like nerve centers and just... It was it was the crazy days for for everyone. I mean, for us, we saw we saw our revenue on like day one. Basically, it just it just dropped like twenty five percent, and then we're they we're like, what's going to happen next? Is the floor going to fall out here? What's what's going on? And I mean, luckily there were government programs in place here so that we could keep jobs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same with us. We we hired everyone back after the PPP. Yeah. yeah. So that, that sounds great. So like in terms of start, stop, continue for these digital processes, um, there's basically a lot of stuff that you want to keep, that you want to continue. Yes. Going forward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think a lot of it we want to, we, we, you know, we have to be better listeners and that's part of the digital process. I mean, you want to be a digital creator, a digital thought leader, but you also want to never forget to listen. Yeah. Right. That's, that's really important. And, and never forget to execute. Mm-hmm. It's one thing that be on the phones from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. But, you know, the warehouse guys get to do their jobs. Um, they're, uh, purchasing, yeah. probably one of the toughest roles now, mm-hmm. right? Because with all the supply problems, you know, COVID's hit the supply chain any number of ways. So very important department. Everybody's got to work in concert to make sure it happens. Yeah, De- definitely. 
what's what's your outlook for like 2021 then and beyond is there any are there any trends that you're watching are there are there things like in the um like in local digital marketing that you're that you're into or is it is it more like um we're gonna we're just gonna deepen our investment in video we're just gonna get stronger in executing what what's your take looking ahead you know it's really interesting that you, that you should say that um because i'm of one mind that you want to dominate and be good at whatever it is you do mm-hmm. and then i read of course gary vanderchuk's crushing it book mm-hmm. you know i have time now in my car and you can actually listen to these books at one and a half times speed so he's into like 35 different social media platforms and you know I mean, I'm sure he's got a staff helping him and everything else. Mm. But really, he went ROI. However, you know, we're, we're, we're dabbling in Pinterest again. Yep. You know, we're talking about podcasting. Mm-hmm. We're talking about deepening the learning of like how to buy certain kind of expensive things. So we're looking at that. But again, there's got to be an ROI because Gary Vanderchuk is about social media. You know, people like us, we've got a company to run, so it's, it's a little bit harder. But I think really what you need to do is figure out what you're good at, like doing, and that where your customers are. I think Pinterest has got possibilities, but once again, and it would have better possibilities if we're nationwide. Mm. But because we're regional, we have to really focus on a region. And I think that you know, video and targeted blogging kind of works better that way. Yeah. To be honest, with better paid and and better better email. So mm-hmm. that sounds really that sounds really promising, Steve. And and one other, one other thing, um, you know. We are all kind of servants to Google. Yeah. So I think having a, G, a strong GMB mm. uh, presence is, is really, really uh, very important with updated content. And I think we do a much better job there mm-hmm. because I think Google, whether they, whatever they say publicly or not, they certainly want yeah. you to never leave their property. So I think GMB could be popular. That's a, that's a good place to start with content and everything else, if you're starting out is, is to really make your GMB robust. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think GMB is a, is a super crucial platform for local. And I also think Google is going to be working to expand their, their kind of, uh, their omni-channel offering. Um, I think they're going to get better at integrating store visits to their ads, I think into the platform. I think they're, going to be looking at ways to help bring Google Maps to life as an advertising surface. And so there'll, there'll be more coming there too, for sure. I think they've got a pretty good roadmap, actually. I'm not, I'm often quite critical of Google, um, or I have a love-hate relationship. There's things that they do that drive me completely crazy. And there's things that they do that I think are awesome. And I think they're getting, um, they're getting stronger on local. Yeah, the, uh, the whole retargeting compo- uh, component is, is, is really interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, we use retargeting on, on some campaigns and that's, I think it's probably, I'd, I'd like to, if I had more time, I'd like to convert everything into retargeting and nothing on anything else, mm-hmm. but it is kind of creepy. And, um, I mean, not the way, obviously we try to like give people a resource, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I think that especially with the change in government here, I, I think you're going to find that the whole retargeting you know, Apple against Facebook and everything else that might be going away, which wouldn't be a bad thing for consumers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're um, a few years now into GDPR um, after the post GDPR scene here. And um, of course, um, third party cookies are going to be going the way of the dinosaur in the next one, two years. So this will be super interesting to see what happens. I mean, I think the platforms will, um, They'll land on their feet. They're, they're going to find a way. Um, but they've got some big challenges ahead of them um, in order to build these alternatives, in order to get adoption. You know, that yeah. it's, it's fine if Google builds it inside of Chrome, but can they persuade Apple to play the same game as them or, or, or play a similar set of rules and stuff like that, where Apple is very disincentivized to, to play nice? So Apple is a hardware software company they don't make any money doing it. Um, you know, they make money on apps that you want. Um, and they're in a position to say, we're going to be customer centric. Um, so <laughs> we're not going to allow any of that. And that is, uh, that's going to, that's going to, that's going to have some, um, they're on a collision course against Facebook. But again, that's well above 
you know, my, my, my uh, expertise, unfortunately. Oh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's the same thing. It's playing out not just here with Google, but then in China, it's playing out where there some of these big tech companies that are trying to just work around Apple's solutions. And then we find out if Apple really means what they, how committed they are to pursuing this stuff. Um, but Steve, I, is there any, is there anything else you want to talk about or any themes you want to touch on that, you, that we didn't have a chance to yet? Is there anything you want to mention? Listen, I, I, I don't know what core customer that you're trying to get or, or I, I think, I think people, um, kind of struggle with uh, social media, mm. as it's called. And I, I think that, you know, in our pre, it's funny, you, you mentioned our pre-conversation, you go, this is great, let's just mention it. And neither one of us mentioned what we talked about that we thought was great, I don't even remember it. You know? <laughs> that's, what, and that's what being old and having a four-year-old is all about. But I, I, I really think that if people took the path of, of okay, what does my customer want to see? Who is my customer? What do they want to see? How do I better aid them by telling them how to buy it and really what out what to look out for? Mm. I, I think that you said it the best, actually. Trust is the currency of the internet. Yeah. That's how you gain trust. That's how you gain customers. But on the other side, you got to execute and you got to listen, which means the reviews that you hate to look at, even if they're unfair, yeah. you have to it respond and inculcate that into your corporate organization, which goes into MPS and everything else. And that's kind of like the roadmap. And again, this seems kind of overly complicated for someone who's just beginning, but really, you know, you, you, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. And I think that if you go down the road of now and just commit yourself to doing that, a year from now, you're gonna be, you, you're gonna get results. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. Anything you wanna plug, Steve? Any, anything you wanna mention? Not really, man. Other than to say, uh, I'm not bitterly disappointed you left us anymore. <laughs> uh, you know, in the most in the most incredible way ever. You know, I once again, I we said it in the pre. I mean, going to conference and moving to Germany and yeah. and everything. That's that's got to be one of the gutsiest things I've ever heard of. And I, I salute you, man. As much as I I, I miss you. Th- thanks, Steve. You know, because you're incredibly capable, and you hate losing people like that. Only. You don't hate it so much when they when they found something better. So my hat's off to you, and, and uh, you know I wish you and your company well. You know, hopefully, uh, you know, remember the whole thing is just be a service to your customer. No matter if you're a digital momentum or Yale appliance or Home Depot or Amazon, you know the person that provides the best solution should win. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think that's a good note to end on, Steve. Thanks very much, and thanks for listening. Join us next time for an interview with Birgit de Vries, owner at Golf Breaker Consulting and freelancer head of digital. <music>